Hello, I'm Matt, and this is Ghostthropology. The show will feature ghost folklore, which includes both well-known stories and small personal encounters, all ultimately unverifiable, but all presented by people as true. I will tell you the story, after which I will discuss the elements of the story that I think are particularly interesting. While I don't know when, where, or how you were listening to this, I hope it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 16, The Dark Watchers Before the episode, a bit of housekeeping. I'm back from my one-month break, during which I took out time from collecting ghostly tales to read up on academic research into ghosts, the occult, and the generally weird. This meant that I was reading books and papers by anthropologists, sociologists, religious studies scholars, journalists, psychologists, and others with an interest in the development of folklore and its spread. It was time well spent, and while I read this sort of material regularly, I intend to occasionally take breaks to continue that side of the research. What I hope sets Ghostthropology apart from other podcasts that deal with the paranormal is that I try to understand why we listen to and why we pass on these stories, and these research breaks help me further my understanding. And now, on with the creepiness. The Santa Lucia Mountains dominate the central California coast from San Luis Obispo to Monterey. I can say from experience that the mountains are generally pleasant, providing both beautiful scenery and a quiet place to retreat from life's demands. However, legend holds that they are also haunted by strange, pitch-black specters that appear at a distance and seem to watch people from afar. The nature and purpose of these looming, staring apparitions is unknown but they have long been reported by people venturing into the mountains. The story is always the same. Someone will be climbing a slope or hiking a trail or beating a path through the thick vegetation and look up to see a large, human-like figure garbed in a black hat and black robes with no skin showing, looking down at them or else slowly surveying the area. If the witness moves to approach the figure or tries to call attention to it, it vanishes. These specters, known as the Dark Watchers, are well known in local folklore and even appear in John Steinbeck's short story Flight and Robinson Jeffers' poem Such Counsel You Gave to Me. It has been claimed that the native Chumash who lived in the southern portion of the mountains, down around San Luis Obispo, have stories about these beings that date before European contact with the area. The spooky figures were certainly a well-known phenomenon by the 1930s when Steinbeck and Jeffers were writing. The late folklore collector out of Monterey, Randall Reinstadt, tells the story of a more recent encounter with these strange entities. In his book, Ghostly Tales and Mysterious Happenings of Old Monterey, he includes the story of a man, a former high school principal, who visited the mountains on a hunting trip with two friends. The man became separated from his companions in the dense forest and began walking up a ridge. I can tell you from personal experience that the forest in this area can become quite dense. Looking out, he saw his friends on a parallel ridge, and relaxed, knowing that if they continued on their current paths, they would soon meet up. As he walked, he continued to look over occasionally at his friends. And then, to his surprise, he saw someone, or something, standing on a rock outcrop between the two ridges. The figure was dressed entirely in black, including a hat and cloak or coat, solitary and still. He studied it for a time, 
but when he called out to his friends to get them to look, the figure vanished. All published sources that I could find depict the watchers as silent sentinels, standing in their quiet and strange watch over the peaks of the Santa Lucia range. People who report sightings on websites report a range of reactions, from wonder to dread, with more of them trending towards dread than anything else. That said, the dark watchers never appear to do harm. They just stand there, silently keeping vigil. Commentary This type of story is the reason why I love ghost stories as much as I do. While there's nothing bad reported to have happened to people who've witnessed the Dark Watchers, they nonetheless seem sinister, creepy, and just generally oogie. Just imagining seeing one of these things as you're going for a walk in the woods is enough to send a chill down your spine. Oh yeah, this is the good stuff. Now a quick note. The Santa Lucia Mountains occupy a fairly central portion of California's coast. However, if you ask people who live in the Santa Barbara area, which is south of the mountains, they will insist that Santa Barbara is the central coast, despite the fact that Santa Barbara is firmly well into the southern portion of the state. I bring this up to help you understand where the Dark Watchers have been seen if you're looking at a map of California. I also encourage you, should you ever find yourself in Santa Barbara, to frequently mention that you are in Southern California. If there's a map nearby, point to it for evidence. Watch the locals become irate. Make your own fun. As previously noted, it's clear that stories of the Dark Watchers were in circulation by the 1930s, with accounts regarding these entities often saying that the Obispoño Chumash of the San Luis Obispo County area had told stories about them. The Chumash, like most Native American Californian groups, were an ethnolinguistic group, not specifically an organized tribe, and there was a lot of variation regionally in language, beliefs, and customs. It's a bit like how Italians, the Spanish, Portuguese, and the French all speak languages derived from Latin and have a culture derived from a mix of Roman, Celtic, and Germanic traditions, but they are nonetheless very different nationalities. Think of the Chumash in a similar way. Now, I could not find stories of the Dark Watchers or anything quite analogous included amongst the uh, stories in December's Child, a compilation of Chumash folklore collected by the early anthropologist and linguist J.P. Harrington and edited by anthropologist Thomas Blackburn. That said, a later anthropologist, Roberta Greenwood, wrote in the 1970s that there was a distinct lack of early ethnographic information for the El Bispoño as compared to other parts of California, and that Harrington was focused primarily on language and not folklore when he worked with Obispoño informants. So saying that these stories are absent from Obispoño folklore because they weren't included in notes where the Obispoño people were not being consulted about folklore is a bit like saying that Spain has no legend of El Cid because such stories don't show up in a survey of Italian literature. Stories of the Dark Watchers are also not found in Alfred Krober's Handbook of the Indians of California, though Krober is generally silent on the matter of Chumash folklore and belief anyway, so that doesn't necessarily tell us much either. The area where the Dark Watchers appear is also occupied by the Selenian and Esalen people, not just Chumash. The summaries provided by anthropologists in the 1970s, as well as Krober's summaries of these ethnolinguistic groups, did not provide any information on the Dark Watchers or anything similar. There is a vague mention of night spirits, but no information regarding the nature of these night spirits. However, a 1978 volume on the native people of California does make references to collections of stories gathered by early ethnographer, but these are not available to me currently, 
damn pandemic preventing me from going to academic libraries. And this volume also indicates that there are notes from early anthropologists such as C. Hart Merriam being held at university archives, but they are not generally available to the public, which is fairly typical for the handwritten and even typed notes of many field anthropologists. Podcaster Brian Dunning, host of the Skeptoid podcast, is of the opinion, based on the lack of information within readily available literature, that the stories of the Dark Watchers is a 20th century invention with no significance to the native Californian peoples. He may be correct. He might be. But I'm reluctant to agree. On the one hand, it cannot be expected that Harrington or Merriam or any other ethnographer managed to collect everything. So the possibility that there are stories out there that have just not been captured by anthropologists is a certainty. And that's before you get into matters such as Harrington not really gathering much information on Obispoino religion or mythology. There are always gaps in the anthropological record. In fact, most of the sources I consulted stated that the Esalen people were culturally extinct. But actually, there are Esalen people who remain active in the Monterey area to this day. I've worked with some of them in the past. So that's clearly a sign of the early anthropologists missing some pretty important information. If an entire ethnolinguistic group can be missed, then it's not a stretch to suggest that some stories have likewise been missed. However, the fact that we can't prove that there weren't stories of the Dark Watchers does not mean that the Chumash, Selenan, or Esalen people necessarily did have such stories either. And let's face it, it's a common tactic for people trying to make a supernatural claim seem legitimate to falsely claim that there were Native American stories concerning it. To muddy matters further, examination of folklore through the world shows that it is never stable. It always changes and incorporates new elements. Many of the European myths and tales that predate Roman conquest and the later spread of Christianity nonetheless show elements of Roman myth and Christian lore in the versions available to us today. Similarly, ethnographers in Australia in the early 20th century watched Dreamtime tales change over a short period as Europeans became increasingly common on the continent. Closer to home, anthropologist Leslie Spear recorded an event among the Klamath and the Modoc of the California-Oregon border during which stories changed over the course of the evening, with the participants considering the new versions of the story that they had just created as the currently true versions. Even some of the stories collected by Harrington show that the folklore had integrated interactions with Europeans, some quite recently. So even if the Dark Watchers arrived as part of the local folklore by way of Europeans, or Asians, or African Americans, or any other non-Native American group that settled in the area, they may very well have been adopted and integrated into the Esalen, Selenan, and Chumash stories as well. So, there may have been stories about Dark Watchers among the native Californians before the Europeans arrived, or the Dark Watchers may have entered local folklore at a later time, and we really don't have a way of knowing. There is one specific scenario, though, under which stories of Dark Watchers should be assumed to be part of Selenan, Esalen, and Chumash folklore, and that is if the stories describe a real phenomenon. And this is where things get interesting. For those who are inclined to supernatural explanations, it may be enough to say that the Dark Watchers are there, therefore, of course, there would be stories about them. But there are actually some non-supernatural explanations as well. Now, the standard explanations of hallucinations or pareidolia, pareidolia is the phenomenon wherein the brain seeks patterns in visual chaos and often finds human-looking figures, are often used to dismiss both individual sightings of the Dark Watchers or to explain away the entire phenomenon. And pareidolia and hallucinations certainly must be explanations for some of the sightings. 
However, there is another possibility, one that could explain many of the sightings, and that is an optical illusion known as the Brocken Spectre. Brocken Peak is within the Harz Mountains in Germany, and is known for an optical illusion known as the Brocken Spectre. When fog envelops the peak, the shadow of anything standing on it will appear to be magnified against the fog, creating a large, dark shape. If the object standing on it is a person, or a relatively bare tree, or any other object of vaguely human shape, then it will look as if a massive dark figure is standing on the ridge or peak. Though the illusion is named for Brocken Peak, it can be seen anywhere with fog and sunlight pointed in the right direction, which on some days could easily describe the Santa Lucia Mountains. If the Brocken Spectre illusion is common to the Santa Lucias, and it might be, then it is not unreasonable to think that the dark figures that are projected by this illusion could have been incorporated into local stories. But, of course, just because they could have been doesn't mean they were. Once again, I don't have access to many of the stories, and even if I did, I don't know if there would be mention of the Dark Watchers. And even if they were mentioned, I would have no way of knowing how long the stories had been around before they were captured by anthropologists. Even if I were to talk with local peoples and hear the stories, I would have no way of knowing if they were truly old stories or more recent additions, because, again, folklore is always adopting new items. And of course, the Brock Inspector illusion theory doesn't explain away all sightings. The story relayed by Reinstadt about the former high school principal indicates that the man could see his friends on a ridge on the other side of the watcher from him, which suggests a clear day, or at least a clear enough one that you could see a bit of a distance. However, Reinstadt never sources the story, so it could be anything from a genuine story to a tall tale. Regardless of the explanation for these visions, or the antiquity of them, from a folklore standpoint, the Dark Watchers seem to function in a manner similar to certain forms of the Shadow People stories that have become popular in recent decades. Shadow People are an increasingly common type of ghost story, one that I need to feature in a future episode. And they are just what they sound like, humanoid figures comprised of shadows. The Shadow People are all humanoid, but come in a variety of sizes, from only a few feet in height to a stature taller than a tall human. Some stories portray them as malevolent, while others indicate that they simply seem to be watching the humans who encounter them, though even these more benign ones strike people who claim to have encountered them as more than a little creepy. The Shadow People certainly seem strikingly similar in appearance to the Dark Watchers, and the sense of dread that some people report when seeing the Dark Watchers is consistent by that reported by people who claim to have encountered Shadow People. However, the Dark Watchers seem to always be passive and do not appear to be actively menacing, which deviates them from the more common Shadow People stories. But that passivity is consistent with some of the more sedate Shadow People tales. It should also be said that the sense of dread that people report upon seeing the Dark Watchers when they discuss it on internet forums may itself actually be a borrowed bit of folklore from the currently more popular Shadow Person stories. So this could be another place where folklore is converging. That said, while shadowy forms are common in ghost stories going back quite a ways, and indeed are often hallucinated by people experiencing sleep paralysis, the idea of shadow people as a distinct type of entity or ghost seems, based on my preliminary research, and I'm going to have to do more, it seems to have been popularized by the radio show Coast to Coast AM in the early 2000s, with claims that early stories portrayed shadow people actually being after-the-fact classifications of creatures reported in early stories. 
By contrast, the Dark Watchers show up in print for the first time in the 1930s, and the way in which they are referenced in Steinbeck and Jeffers' work suggests that they were simply part of the common folklore of Monterey at the time. Nonetheless, dark, ominous beings that seem utterly alien is a description that applies equally well to the Dark Watchers and the Shadow People. I have noticed that the Dark Watchers are discussed more often online than they were even 10 years ago, and many of the online discussions make overt references to Shadow People, so this seems like a new form of supernatural folklore helping to rescue an older one from obscurity. If you ever needed more proof that folklore is an ever-changing and evolving entity, you need look no further than the internet to see how it treats stories. Now, my good lady wife slash producer, upon hearing the comparisons I made between the Dark Watchers and the Shadow People, also pointed out that there is an interesting comparison to be made with the concept of guardian angels. Guardian angels, of course, are believed by some people to be supernatural beings who watch us and look out for us, directly intervening in our lives, whereas the Dark Watchers simply stand back and may not care about us at all. Nonetheless, many people find the idea of a guardian angel to be very comforting, though the idea of an unseen supernatural being quite literally watching everything you do is, well, it's odd if not kind of creepy. The Dark Watchers just kind of sit there. They're only in one place, they don't follow you everywhere. Yet most of us are welcoming of the idea of a guardian angel, most likely because we see them as benevolent, because there's a clear cultural context in which we can place them. By contrast, while figures like the Dark Watchers, who seem harmless, are frightening or eerie to us, likely because there is no clear category for us to put them in. They are uncanny and therefore fearful, despite not really interfering with those who witness them. One thing I've learned over the course of my time collecting ghost stories is that many of them serve a purpose. They can connect us with the history of a place. They can express social regrets or discomforts. They can reflect on anxieties that we have a hard time vocalizing otherwise. And they can even serve as symbols of hope, providing reason to believe that death isn't the end of the story. By contrast, the Dark Watchers seem to exist only as an enigma. Strange entities that stand watch, seemingly indifferent to humanity. Thank you for joining me. If you have heard a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail.com. Also, please visit the Ghostthropology blog for transcripts, show notes, and more information at kmmamedia.com. That's kmmamedia.com. Until next time, have a wonderfully spooky night. Spooky!